0: This Some is Here series is sponsored by Denver Seminary. I love Denver Seminary and am currently enrolled as a student. I'm constantly blown away by the integrity and humility and commitment to excellence that I've experienced from the faculty, the staff, and just to have met students from all walks of life. You'll hear more about Denver Seminary later in the show, but if you want to go ahead and check out their degree programs, visit denverseminary.edu slash Vivian, V-I-V-I-A-N. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Someday Is Here. I am your host, Vivian Mabuni, and I just want to say happy AAPI Heritage Month. Uh, in the month of May, we are doing something special here on the podcast, and we are going to take the next five weeks to explore adoption. Um, one of my passions is to really help bring more education, understanding, and just really highlight and center Asian American adoptees and their stories. Uh, But I've also brought together a group of um, adoptive parents, adoptive moms that I trust that have done, in my opinion, a good job of really walking the adoption uh, process and journey with their kids. So my hope is that this series would be beneficial for those of us who love uh, adoptees, transracial adoptees, transcultural adoptees, uh, who are adoptees, or who are raising kids of Asian descent. Um, I'm excited, really, to bring to you some really great voices uh, from a wide spectrum of experiences and to really um, hit the different parts of the adoption triad, Um, the first families, the adoptees and the adoptive families as well. So enjoy these next five weeks. I can't wait to dive into this very important topic and I'm so glad that you're here for the journey. All right, everyone, welcome to Some Days Here and this special series on adoption. Um, This is just uh, a topic that is really near and dear to my heart. So I've collected a number of amazing um, women and one man um, whose stories are powerful. And today we get to hear from Tasha June. Uh, She is an adoptive mom, and we're going to talk about some of her journey. Um, Tasha is an author and uh, we'll talk about her upcoming book that's going to be released this month. But she is an incredible writer, and she uses the medium of words like art. She is a um, a poet and just a passionate uh, communicator in so many ways. And in her bio, she writes that she has spent her life navigating cultural collisions and liminal space, and believes that the middle places, spaces, and margins teach us how to see one another as poetry and treasure. So even just that, I think, gives you a a taste of Tasha. Um, She is dear to me, though we've never met in person yet, but we've had many interactions. So I'm just so thankful, Tasha, for uh, your willingness to participate in this series. So welcome to Some Days Here.
1: Thank you so much, Vivian. It's so good to be here. Super fun to see you and um, just to have this conversation with you.
0: Yes. Well, you know, we have connected over some days here in different capacities, and we did a Some Days Here pop-up during pandemic, although it's sort of still kind of happening (laughs) the pandemic. That's (laughs) arguably, you know, one of those issues that we're needing to deal with. But um, (laughs) you were such a blessing. I remember just you um, really helping our Some Days Here community enter into lament, and you read some of your poetry. And um, I just, I'm so grateful for that. Do you have that poem
1: available somewhere on your website
0: or Instagram Um, So
1: actually, so I don't know if you remember, but we we read through a Psalm and then um, the participants that were there kind of like, didn't call out, but wrote in the chat different things that they felt. Um, so then I compiled it. So I mean it wasn't really I had some lines in it, but it was like our lament, like our collective lament. Um, I have it on my computer, but um yeah, I have, I don't know why I haven't thought to like put it out there.
0: But I think it yeah. was so powerful and I think it just there's something that resonated with us collectively coming together mm-hmm. to speak on yeah. just what was heavy on our hearts. So well, maybe we can, you know, pull it together and stick it in our show notes somewhere. Um, along with all the links and all the things. But that just kind of popped into my mind. So yeah. for our listeners who are not familiar with you, could you share with us a little bit of your story and a little of your background and a little bit of your um, adoption
1: journey as well? Yeah. um, so i um I am a mom of three. I've got um, two boys and a little girl, 13, uh, thirteen, eleven, and seven. Um, I live in Indiana. Um, I guess this is home, although I've lived all over and it, I have been very resistant to call this home, but it is for now. Um, and yeah, so, and then our adoption journey. Let me think a little bit. So, um, we were talking a little bit before, and just to be transparent, it's hard sometimes to talk about this because I want to honor our daughter's story and not share, you know, parts of her story that she can't have a say in me sharing and even you know even if I were to ask her at 7 it um she can't really answer i mean she might say yeah sure but she doesn't really understand you know what 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 that that request would even mean at this point so yeah. i'm learning as i go um but we uh my husband and i kind of stepped into the journey of adoption let me think i probably should have thought about this before <laughs> what year it was um probably 2013 14 maybe even before that you know started talking about it um we had a number of people in our lives who had adopted in our faith community in our church um and I remember it striking me because most of the families were white and they had um children of color um and then like that just kind of hitting me and thinking through um, my mom's story. So my mom, um, my mom is Korean. Um, She immigrated here in her twenties and um, she lost both of her parents um, just in the aftermath of the Korean War. And so I grew up hearing stories of kind of how she survived after that, um, was taken in by extended family, um, and then just what her life was like as a result of that loss and also grew up with her talking about how much she wished she could go take in kids that had gone through what she had gone through. Um, And so like that heart of. I guess, wanting to care for for children who, you know, um, had lost their families, um, you know, so that was always playing in the back of my head. So when we started having those conversations, they kind of merged, um, but we kind of went into it naively, I think, because a lot of times, you know, all you hear is, um, you know, kind of pat or just little little nuggets about why we should adopt as Christians. And um, from the, po- the point of view of um, definitely not of the adoptee but of, or child, um, you know, but just almost like a savior type of uh, mentality. Um, so yeah, um, so we went into it naively um, and then we had a really long process of learning. Um, went into it thinking, well, we could adopt from anywhere. And then as we went through some classes, read some books, and then had conversations with our agency, it really like it really just um stood out to us like, no, we should adopt from Korea. That's part of our culture, like our family's culture. Mine more so, but yeah. our family as a whole. Um And so that's kind of how, that's kind of how we went in that direction. (laughs) Mm,
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned that, um, you know, so often that in our Christian culture, there is really an emphasis, you know, of just caring for the orphan and the marginalized and the widow and um, the prisoner. There's scripture that we base it on, but it is, like you said, so often uh, adopted. Of parents focused rather than the adoptee, right. uh, which is right. part of you know the um, this series really wanting to center the adoptee uh, in in particular uh, adoptees of Asian descent um, and yeah. you know interviewing adult adoptees and hearing their stories. Um, I, you know, as you you know mentioned, you walked into it naively. What were some of the the events or? Um, material that you read or just your own experience that kind of helped awaken you to uh broadening the narrative
1: yeah um so we had to do like a number of education classes with through our agency and um one of them we signed up for and it was actually supposed to be for after you had adopted and just kind of navigating conversations with your child about um being a a conspicuous family and so I went to that and my friend, now friend, um, Tara, she, Tara Vanderwood, um, who is amazing. Um, we should look her up if you're listening. She is an amazing resource, an adult adoptee, also adoptive mom. Um, but she um she was doing the class and just talking about what it was like, you know, when people would come up to her or or any family, you know, that had a mix of races and you know feel like they could you know just be audacious audacious enough to ask really kind of um questions that they had no business asking you know like about their family makeup you know strangers um and so i think just being in that class and hearing that and just thinking through gosh like representation and we've talked about this is already a huge part of my story the lack of it how much it matters and so i think it just Put it together for me like wow like what are we asking you know this child to walk into what kind of situations will arise and so it just really you know i hadn't really thought of it in a similar vein of like wow that is really important and so it's going to be really important for any child you know um so that and then there was a book i think i read a single square picture um and i'm forgetting the author by katie katie robinson i think um and I think just reading a narrative from an adoptee's voice, like their words, their story, um, their pain, um, a lot of the losses that she felt and expressed, like it just really, um, I just hadn't heard that before, you know, I had heard so much of a need um, without the layers and the nuance and like just the, um, you know, the the loss and the trauma really um, that were going to be inherent and and with that story forever
0: yeah that's so great As I mentioned at the top of the show, this five-episode series is sponsored by Denver Seminary. For more than 70 years, Denver Seminary has prepared and sent thousands of graduates into the world. What I love is that Denver Seminary's community is represented by more than 50 denominations. It's uniquely known for demonstrating steadfast dedication to the unchanging foundations of biblical faith while being committed to charitable orthodoxy and deep relationships. Denver Seminary offers several fully accredited degree options to students with courses delivered either on campus, fully online, or through a blended delivery model. So this makes exemplary theological studies available to anyone and from anywhere. And I have loved being in class with students from around the world because it just enriches the study of the Bible and of theology. If you have considered at all getting us formal seminary education, I want to encourage you to check out the programs and the community at Denver seminary, visit Denver seminary.edu Vivian for more information. I would love for you to share, you know, just from your experience, um, as a mom, um, what, what advice would you give to uh, prospective adoptive parents um what what are you glad you've done and what do you wish you what might, might have done differently um yeah. now in your journey
1: yeah um i think um one thing and i say this a lot i think i did in this like recorded talk but you know there's a lot of um family is forever thrown out there um and i don't have anything against that but i think what is missing from that in this piece is just that ethnicity is forever I mean literally when we are in heaven like we will still have our ethnicity and so I think sometimes in adoptive situations you know there's this idea that you know family is forever and we're committed to being family and you know love is enough when A huge part of any type of belonging is going to be um, recognizing, affirming, celebrating, moving towards your child's ethnicity. Like that doesn't go away. It can be ignored. Um, Like there can be a lot of damage and harm done to ignoring it or denying it or pretending it's not there, but it's still there, even in that. Um, And so, yeah, I think remembering that ethnicity is forever and letting that guide. just what you do from day one, I guess even in bef- before a child comes home, you know, understanding what that means and the culture that they come from. And then after, um, one thing that we've talked about is just that this journey wasn't just um, us bringing our daughter into our family, it was our whole family moving towards Korea in every way that we can, um, bringing more and more. I mean, it's a part of our, our lives and our, our own culture. Um, but bringing as much as we possibly can into our family dynamic um for all of us but for our daughter so um so i mean one thing is you know when you when you think about your kids and you're signing them up for activities and like you know you want them to play sports for their physical health you want them to you know learn learn i don't know art or just anything like any of those things i think sometimes um something that's really important is to be like thinking about like how can we bring health to their own celebration of who they are ethnically and you know where they came from um and not just that but like the fact that they came from they have another family and they have other people and generations of you know stories that are now whether you know them or not are part of now your family makeup so um, that's like some of the advice I would give. Um, I think for us, like I think, you know, in the beginning, I think it was really hard. Um, and I feel like there's loss all the time. Like it's still always playing out. But in the beginning, it was really hard to see um in real time, I guess, just what it was like when we were bringing our daughter home. like it it wasn't fairy ish It was um very traumatic. And, you know, maybe I had known that, but to see it was like, really, it just broke me. Um, and I think at first, there's a, a desire, there was a desire, I think, for in me to kind of want to run from that, like, how can we patch it up? How can we um, make it better? You know? Um, so yeah, I think that's something I wish personally as a mom and then also um for my daughter for a whole family that i wouldn't have like in different situations kind of run from that pain Mm. Um,
0: yeah (laughs) it was is it kind of the the pain that you're talking about is watching your daughter move through the trauma the loss the disorientation was that the pain or it was a little bit different
1: that yes um i think Like for a little while, she, you know, I mean, she knew some Korean when we left and um, that was all she knew, of course. And um, she just stopped talking. And I've I've read that that's normal when you like have a loss of, you know, language and everything has changed. But I just, I think because of like my own mom's story and like the the yearning I have to have that language um, to think of her losing it or other children losing those pieces, like just yeah, it was just so it was so painful. Um, I guess it just brought to life, like yeah, there's so much loss here, and it's not going to just be covered up by a family who just loves her. You know, um, like it's it's there and it's going to stay and it'll keep popping up um, yeah. in different ways. Um, so that and yeah, and I think I think too that the, the realization that you know I can't fix that um, as a mom, I can't fix that. I'm not supposed to. Even though I have this like urge, you know, to want to yeah. fix it and, and to be the one that fixes it, um, but that's not I can't so I think there was like pain for her and then pain, you know, my for myself, like just in my own gro- need for growth and need to let go of control
0: yeah, so yeah, no that I, I think that resonates with that helplessness of mm. not being able to go and just um. Hug it away, you know yeah. like that that the loss is a loss, and it is like you said, a permanent loss. Um, and holding intention, which yeah, um, we've talked about you and I, even just um, being of mixed heritage. There's holding mm-hmm. intention, you know, uh, a lot of the the and it's a both and right. rather than either or. Um, right, but I do think that so often what's presented at least on social media or otherwise is a real happily ever after fairy tale kind of experience like oh this is gotcha day and i'm curious i remember us talking a little bit about this like how you don't use that term gotcha day can you unpack Mm -hmm. that a little bit
1: yeah i think you know i didn't i hadn't really thought much about it because mostly i'd only heard it from other adoptive parents and then i think there was an adoptive <clears throat> or an adoptee that I um follow online and I don't remember which there are quite a few and I feel like you know it's so easy to find <laughs> um but um and just so like they uh, yeah but so I think she I think it was a woman and I don't remember who but she shared just what that felt like to her that word um that phrase that was used and every time it came up and so I think I just it you know I was learning and I was like wow you know I don't want to use that before I mean for the sake of any adoptee that is listening um, or watching like I don't want to add harm and I know not not everyone feels the same but for anyone that might I just I was like that's just too much for me to want to like add any harm to someone's story or just you know and then also just for our daughter you know she's she's too young to say how she feels about that and um, I don't want to give her these phrases that weren't even weren't even something that adoptees came up with, you know, um, and kind of mark her story with that, you know. So I think we, it's a family day for us. Um, We do like eat together and um, I say celebrate, but I I don't know that it's like a huge celebration. I feel like it's more internal for some of us. We acknowledge it. Um, But yeah, just, I always want to be sensitive to the fact that she might, it might be painful, that might be a painful reminder for her um, or trigger some of those feelings. And right now she probably couldn't articulate it, you mm, know? Um,
0: yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Do you talk with your daughter a lot about adoption? What is that like? Is it something that you've intentionally sought to normalize? Um, how do you refer to her first family? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's that been like for you?
1: yeah um we do um honestly it comes up um just because you know I mean when we're just talking about life I feel like it comes up um we haven't had any situations. I was worried about this like at school with like the family tree and then having to talk through what that's like um or talk to our teachers that hasn't happened yet um but so yeah we it, we talk about it honestly um you know, there is a little book that her agency made for her. Um, and it was from like this play date thing that she attended with other, with other adoptees. And, um, it's, it's something that we pull out a lot. And I feel like just letting her look through it and just saying, oh, this is when you were in Korea, um, and then talking about her foster mom, and then, um, talking about where her biological family's from, um, you know, there was something that she was showing an interest in. And I had remembered, you know, this detail about someone in her, her biological family. And I just said, you know, that, that, you know, this person has an interest in that too, or just did this, you know, for a living at one, you know? Um, and I think it was good. I mean, it's always kind of jolting. I don't know if that's the right word. I think it just, she'll she'll just think about it for a minute, but I think as much as we can, I want to just be honest and like, give her those, those facts and those things that are real and refer to them as they are a part of you know us um, as much as we can and so and i guess add any links or ties
0: what i really appreciate tasha is just there's intentionality on your mm-hmm. part to really know and honor your daughter's story and mm-hmm. to uh, to really um emphasize and highlight her heritage um mm-hmm. country of origin and I think that there is a little bit of an easier bridge simply because of your heritage and knowing right. the food and knowing some of the customs and you know your mom and um, yeah being able to relate in that way. Uh, I think I yeah I'm just I I'm smiling thinking about your daughter being able to have honest conversations and mm-hmm. not have it be something to just you should just be grateful. Or have that be what she hears all the time rather than, you know, being able to navigate that. The only thing that I can like loosely connect to my own story is, you know, my grandma lived with us growing up and, you know, we spoke Chinese at home. And then I had this other world where it was nothing like my home life. And there was such looking back now as an adult, I wished that I would have had a parent or even a grandparent who would have understood what I was going through out there with the teasing mm-hmm. and with, you know, what was, yeah. um, what was happening at recess and have someone to process that with. But there was a disconnect for me without language or that wasn't their growing up experience. So they didn't even have a context for understanding mm-hmm. that. And so that's where I just think that there's a intentionality that you and your husband have, um, really sought to, uh, you know weave into the story of your family and your boys are growing up as well with this understanding mm-hmm. that's just really it's just more robust and it is honest and it's not um trying to push down the pain which I think yeah. so much we we naturally want to do that and I think as moms mm-hmm. even we just want to fix things it's like yeah, how do we just get in here and um, you know not yeah so I think that your posture has been really, really encouraging to me. So thank mm. you. Um, is there any um any other thoughts that you would have that you've learned about um the adoption triad, um being an adoptive parent? Um anything that you've just learned uh that you think would be beneficial to our listeners?
1: Mm. Um yeah I think I've shared most most of the things already but I mean I think just I can't say loud enough and I know you said this too that just to listen to adoptees um I feel like I've learned so much more through just listening to adoptees that you know are generous enough and gracious enough to share their own experiences because they don't have to but they do um you know online and books um I feel like that's so important and it can really like shift And hopefully is shifting the perspectives on adoption in the church and in culture um, that are so needed um so that listen listen to adoptees um and also just that there again just are so many um and that's something that we talk about with our daughter a lot um like if she happens to be by me and i have my phone or something i'm like oh this 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 woman or this this man is adopted you know i just like constantly trying to or like if i'm reading a book Um, that is actually by an adoptee, um, you know, trying to just reinforce for her that um, she's not alone. I think it'd be easy to feel that, you know, um, and not being like hush hush about it, but like, there's a community already out here. um, And yeah, kind of like other uncles and aunties that, you know, where we lack, like they they're there and their voices are, are here. And um, yeah, so I think maybe even like, I guess, listening to them, looking for them, finding those, those people. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: yeah. I love that for your child. so. So good.
1: And then I think one other thing that I'm still exploring is just how can, um, how can we make this better? Not just, not just by centering adoptive voices, which I think is really important, but like in like, like looking into one small way, maybe at a time that we can, um, not just make things more ethical but like is there something we can do to help family preservation um like before like going back i guess further and really finding out like is there one thing that we can do right now um and then maybe there'll be another thing so that's like letting ourselves go on that journey
0: yeah are you more referring to like obviously the korean war resulted in a lot of a, you know orphans like that kind of thing is that what you're referring to? Well, like so,
1: I think I um, I knew that um, as we went into the the process that you know it's really hard for single moms in Korea. Um, I had learned that, and I mean, I think throughout one of the things I keep thinking about is just like how can we make it. I mean, I I, I am not in Korea, um, but like what what are things that we can do to make it so that things aren't so shunned, you know, because I think that's what, that at this point why a lot of children are put up for adoption is because there's no support, you know, for single moms or and not just but just in general, like if you don't have a certain family structure. Um, and so I guess just the stigma like how can we push against that even from here or or support um, and I haven't figured all of that out, but I think it's important yeah i guess to to find um ways to mend um yeah um, just the layers that that cause yeah the situation so
0: totally no that makes sense and i feel like that causes us to step back even farther yeah be able to look at the landscape and and i think about um as as believers you know where god has called us to um be a part of the restoration I think, of society even and what that looks like for us to not only um, address immediate needs and concerns, but what you're talking about is even looking beyond that and seeing where what's going on that's causing the issues to present itself. And so Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. very different from what I often hear in Mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Well, I would love to switch gears again because something very exciting has happened this month in the month of May, May 9th has the uh, release of your very first book. I had the privilege of reading an advanced copy and endorsing it. And Tasha, well done. Oh my goodness. The cover, every single word inside is just beautiful. I would love for you to share the gist of your book, um the just your heart and your desire for what this book will mean out there in the
1: world. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for reading it. Um yeah. Um it's it's called Tell Me the Dream Again. Um and it is reflections on family, ethnicity, and the sacred work of belonging. Um it's a memoir and it's something that I actually started in college which was a very long time ago like decades um but it was I took a memoir class and you know what I started in that class was kind of um it was like a, a little like little glimpses of my mother's story and my story and just how they're interwoven um and it was very short at the time it wasn't you know but it, it's just kind of stuck with me and so um it's always been there and it really is kind of the story of I guess the last few decades of my life really um because i wasn't ready to finish it way back then though it was um something that i you know started and tried um and so this book is really just kind of the story of me moving from kind of the rejection of my Asianness, my um korean american korean side and um moving through the world how i moved through the world kind of hiding that part of me which was a very, very big part of me. Um, and then, especially after coming to faith and um, feeling like there was no place for those things to merge, my my ethnic heritage and my faith journey, a lot of, and a lot of that was because of just the, the environments I was in. There was no space, um, kind of similar to what we were just talking about, but in a different way. There was Um, There were no mirrors in the places where I was growing in my faith initially, there was no space for that. And so um, it's really my journey of feeling like I don't belong anywhere um, and coming to learn that embracing those things um, was actually what was meant um, for all of us really. So um, yeah, it's a story of hiding and um, moving towards Jesus, but also moving towards myself um, as a means to, to that, like I love
0: that. I'm so grateful because you put into words um, what I experience with my friends who are of mixed race heritage, you know, just Mm -hmm. that that tension of, um, I think my son described it as like being inside the river and not really identifying with either side, either bank um, and kind of being in the middle. And so my kids... So I'm ethnically Chinese. Uh, My husband is Okinawan, Portuguese, and native Hawaiian. So my kids are mixed race. And so it's interesting because I know one of my kids um, chose to go to um, a mixed race breakout time. And I think rather than the East Asian breakout time, you know, at a conference. And I think I just assumed because, he, you know, he's mostly, you know, East Asian, <laughs> that he would yeah. go to the East Asian one yeah. and instead went to this. One. And, and I think it, it causes me to pause as a mom, even to realize that my mm. kids are growing up navigating these very things. And so I love that you were able to put to words some of those tensions. And I think even mm. in your bio talking about, you know, liminal space and being in the middle spaces and even being in the margins and what that's like, um, I just, I really appreciate it. And I think your book also um, unraveled some history, you know, which mm-hmm. we don't often hear about. So I appreciate that as well. You know, just, you, so what was the writing process like for you, Tasha, in uh.
1: finally like getting these words out? Yeah, it was. Um, so some parts I feel like just came um, pretty easily because they had been there for a while. Um, other parts were really hard and I just found myself kind of stuck. Um, I think because not just like writer's block, but I think because there were some things that I was still working out in myself um, as I wrote. And so those felt a lot more the, like certain chapters or certain parts just felt like trudging through mud or something like just um, just kind of difficult. Um, but yeah, overall, it was good. It took a lot longer than I thought it would be. This was all new to me, <laughs> just everything that goes into book i mean you already know this but yeah it was it's still shocking to me just um yeah and then working with the publishing team and just how collaborative that is i don't think i had realized that it would be that way um thankfully it was an incredible experience um really thankful for them um but yeah i mean yeah and it's yeah so it was a lot of things (laughs) again the both and the and the
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I would. I love the book cover. I would love to hear just briefly from you what you're, what you saw in it, and um, it's just it's beautiful. So just go for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, so um, my editor is amazing, and she worked really closely with the art and design team at Tindale, and um. You know from the beginning she said like when you when you feel stuck writing like start a pinterest page and just pin like everything that like you know when you think about the cover what you want it to be just pin stuff so i would do that all the time that was actually really helpful because it felt like i was doing something constructive towards the book when i couldn't wasn't right. was having the time writing you know? yes <laughs> um and there's so many like go 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 then lol like stop throughout the process and so it was nice to have that so i made a huge <laughs> Pinterest board with all kinds of folders and like, <laughs> I mean so many things. Um, and it's not like the cover really looks like any of those in particular. I mean, some one thing was just colors I liked and like, you know, symbols, things that were important to me. But from the beginning, I really wanted it to, I didn't want it to alienate, you know, anyone that, you know, doesn't share in an Asian American heritage or story. But at the same time, it was really important for me to honor that part of the book because so much of it was hiding from that you know um so to have it on the cover um was really important to me in a way that was honoring and and not loud but kind of you know um just overt and and i think too just thinking through like do i see any books on the shelves especially like christian books that have you know those those things on them like not that much and so I, I wanted it on there so i mean i was probably a little overboard with that um but i felt like the team was so honoring i mean they just they took the whole pinterest board we we had a meeting and walked through it and you know in places where someone maybe didn't understand just really asked a lot of questions um and so there was you know a lot of different covers that came through first kind of like what do you think about these and they were really beautiful um all of them felt very honoring um, and then what we ended up doing, because i I so much wanted like um, some of the traditional Korean pieces in there, um, I think more just honoring my mom's story because there's so much of that in there. but um, and so I think they ended up actually um, finding a Korean artist and um, paying that artist to be able to use um, an image that was slightly changed um, for the cover. So it just, I love it. I feel like there's a a dream sequence to it, um which, you know if you read the book in the beginning it starts with a dream my mom had involves a tiger and so there's like there's like tiger stripes but they're not you know it's not like eye of the tiger yes. thing. Yes. so yeah it just um and then it's even like the, the the hanbok she's wearing you know has like the colors of kimchi i don't know if you would know that unless you eat kimchi but like just what you see in the jar and so it just yeah i felt very heard and um like it just really went with the, the book. And so that was a really good experience. Mm, like
0: I love it. I love it. well, we'll <laughs> we will definitely be promoting it, and we will connect everything on our show notes. Um, how can people stay connected with you, Tasha?
1: Um, yeah, so Instagram is great. It's Tasha June b. Um I'm that's usually that's my social media of choice. I don't know. Um, so that. And then um, I have a newsletter. Um, it's on Substack. So it's shlomsic, um, dot substack.com. So those are probably the best the best two ways. That is great. Well,
0: we'll definitely connect all of that. And congratulations on the release of your book. You. So <laughs> thrilled and so proud of you. And um, I'm just so grateful for this conversation and your willingness to share uh, some of your journey. And what I walk away with is realizing that it's uh, there's not a a final point where we know everything there's Mm. it's it's like parenting we just get to the next season and go we have never been here before how do we navigate this new new terrain and um, that's really been the posture that I see in you and I really appreciate that because as someone who is learning and desires to honor all the quadrants all the it's not quadrants it's all the points of the adoption triad there's three. Um, There really is uh, just needing to be around um, leaders who are approachable and willing to Mm -hmm. share honestly. So thank you for doing that, Tasha. And thanks for being on this
1: special episode. Yeah, You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me and just um, going there in your conversation.
0: Someday is Here is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. It's produced and edited by Angie Elkins. And assistant editor is Ashley Miner. Show notes and graphics are by Nikki Ogden. And the original music is by Joseph Patrick with Passion Net Productions. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. To learn more about the Someday's Here community, check us out on the socials at Someday's Here Podcast or at Viv Mabuni on Instagram.